Every day we question the norm. That's the credo of Swiss backpack company Question. The studio has built a global reputation for functional timeless design and especially for their endeavors to produce the most sustainable goods possible. Over a decade ago, back in 2008, five friends started the company on a simple premise, make products that are functional enough for your daily bike commute and still go well in a business meeting. Since then, Question strives not to follow fashion trends but continually improves the original design. Their first backpack is still in the collection, which you could say is a testament to their evolutionary approach to building their products. But with their latest development, they literally went bananas, announcing a bag that leaves exactly zero waste at the end of its life cycle. Three years went into developing an entirely biodegradable fabric made out of banana plants. Projects like these contribute to Question's worldwide recognition. In addition to their stores in Zurich, Vienna, Lausanne and Copenhagen, they are present in hundreds of concept stores from Berlin to Tokyo. You're listening to The Idealists with me, Simon, and my co-host, Celia. For today's episode, we sat down with Christian at their headquarters in Zurich. Christian Kagi is Question's co-founder and creative director, refining not only the look and feel of the products, but having the bigger picture in mind. What do we really need? How do we consume in the future? And what is sustainable? He represents a new generation of entrepreneurs using their business as a force for something bigger. We began by asking if Question is a bag company having impact or the other way around, an impact company making bags. I would probably put the impact first. I mean, it, it's, it could have been other products in the end that we that we make it's really uh we we discovered a niche for ourselves in what we do now in in this type of bag that is uh kind of a hybrid and in between fashion and function but also in between backpack and classic bag but the purpose comes first i would say that we we really were trying different things as well we tried different uh categories of products we founded different businesses before pursuing a question to what it is today as we as we know from the name question already you ask a lot of question can you can you elaborate a bit a little bit more about the yeah how you use questions in in your business and and day-to-day -day decision making I mean, as well it's, it's fairly straightforward i would say i mean uh Asking questions in that sense is really part of our culture in our in our company. We we ask questions and try to find good answers to them. So we we recently defined kind of a manifesto for ourselves uh, that is made of six questions, uh, and those are kind of the 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 essential questions of what uh, make us tick the way we do and. There, for instance, one of them is, uh, what do we really need? And that's probably the most fundamental question of the, the six that we have on there. But it's ultimately really essential to what we do. And the first question we ask before we start designing a, a new product. Mm. It also sounds a little bit like familiar to the minimalist movement a, bit, a little bit, right? Is uh, what, what do we really need? If you, yes. That's the first question you ask. Definitely. Right? I mean, we can, we can relate to a lot of things they, they are uh, doing, you know, and uh, I would say in, in a certain way we are minimalists as well. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. 
And does this also apply for, because you just said you put the purpose first, say that you're more, a little bit more an impact company than you are a bad company in that sense, which is kind of idealistic in a way, I would say, right? Um, yes. Yeah. And you cannot live off just idealism, I think. But um, how do you balance that need of economic or, or yeah, of growth or, and, and sustainability? As you, as you say, you know, it's mm -hmm. about balancing it and mm -hmm. and you have to figure out how uh, how to prioritize what in order to get that right balance and uh, you know we're not we're not alone in this world there's there's a whole context in which you know we are based in so that obviously plays a big role in in decisions we make you know and we can go step by step and i think ultimately it's really about the journey more than more than it is about the goal you know we we Uh, we do have goals, but we try to go step by step and improving along the way with every step we, we make. You, you probably decide some decisions differently than yes. maybe other businesses. Can you share some takeaways? What are the main challenges or also the payoffs from um, growing slowly? I think the, the biggest um, advantage of the way we've we've been doing things in our company now over the last 10 years is that we had the possibility to learn along the way so we didn't you know we didn't we didn't write down a concept and then uh, make a business plan and uh, pursue that for five years you know it was really we st it started with an idea and we we started getting into it and learning just along the way and um, we didn't have any pressure, you know, we, we kind of started as a side business for all of us founders and then it slowly grew. And at one point we were big enough to, you know, be able to decide whether we wanted to focus fully on this or, uh, continue with the, the other things we were doing, you know, so it was a very organic way of, of growing and, uh, that left a lot of room for trial and error. And I can imagine that part of this slow growth or organic growth, as, as you say, is um, getting the right people on board, right? You, you started as five people, you're now Definitely, yeah. a few more. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, the first five were also already very important and crucial in the whole process. I mean, just uh, getting the right group of people together who wanted to pursue this this journey, that was the first step. And then... Yeah, it took a few years before we started uh, hiring uh, people to join us. And uh, now in the last few years, it's been, been a bunch of people who joined us. And the, the process remains the same. That it's really, as you said, it's really important to find the right people with the right skill set to complement everyone else. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of a formalized process you, you follow when, when hiring and when getting new people on board or how, how much gut feeling versus formalized process is this? I think with, with every new hire, the amount of gut feeling grows. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's as well, you know, learning, learning the hard way sometimes. I mean, sometimes you just, you know, you, you kind of feel that maybe something's not quite fitting, but then you, you, you think it's going to change or it's going to improve and you only want to give someone a chance, which you, you know, might, might really like, uh, on, on, on his, on his first impression. And then, uh, yeah, that's, that's definitely been one of our learnings that, uh, 
the gut feel really helps in these situations and it's important to to listen to your your gut <laughs> yeah let's say not not everyone has the same gut feeling i guess in in a certain situation yeah. how do you align um in the in the founding team yeah, obviously with with five founders uh, there's always going to be discussions and that's part of our culture as well that we discuss uh, different opinions until we find a conclusion and mostly we do i'd say and then sometimes i mean in 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 hiring i think it's the team lead in in which uh, the, the person is coming in he he definitely has priority on that decision but if someone uh, wants to have a video then we all listen to it because it's for a reason so when i you know it's probably part of the organizational philosophy i would say that you trying to keep things not straight hierarchical but also listen to the to the the single individual yeah. right and uh if we think about how you know you put purpose first right you you have a very strong position in in that sense and that has to be transported by every individual person that works for you is this is this the way it works does everyone kind of have to have this the same core to it i think it really helps you know if if we all have a common um vision on you know what we want to achieve it's yeah sometimes you know you might have some time pressure on a on a on a new position that you need to fill so then it's really hard to balance you know because you have this this element of, of pressure and maybe you don't have the candidate yet but still you need to fill that position in order to keep up with the the planned projects or whatever and that can make it really difficult and sometimes yeah you might in retrospect you know you might not make the right decision in that moment but that's yeah. that's part of the process right and do you think that's healthy to to revert that decision in a in a quick way or how do you deal with like because miscalculations happen right yeah gut, gut feeling is probably most of the time right but not all the time yeah how do you reverse such decisions who, who's, I mean, it, who's it, responsible it's also about the options you have in the end you know and sometimes in the given time frame you just don't find the 100% option so uh, you have to settle for a little bit less you know and you 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 have to prioritize certain aspects and and uh, ultimately you know make the best decision in the interest of the the whole um but then if you if you feel that it's just not working then uh, yeah it's it's important to also take on the consequences and and split ways or part ways sometimes you are well known i guess for building up your own supply chain so if you if we talk about choosing or or bringing people on board inside the company i think the partners and manufacturers that you that you have and investing in yeah in in long term relationships not only inside the the business yeah. um with employees but also partners um can you share some insights on on the journey of yeah building up a supply chain i would own? say it's it's very much the same there you know it's really important to find the right people with the with an aligned vision of where we want to go so it's probably the overall hardest thing i would say of of building a company is to find the right people so you wouldn't wouldn't kind of differentiate if it's 
the supplier you talk to or if it's uh, a new hire you talk to or a new you know store manager or something like that so it's more sharing that common goal or vision how, how would you because we, we were talking about like the same vision a lot mm -hmm. can you make it a little bit more grippy what, what's what's with that vision our vision is very pragmatically put is to make the most sustainable products we can and ultimately that will be fully circular biodegradable products made from natural fibers and materials yeah And was, was this part of, of um, your founding spirit from the beginning to make the most sustainable product? Um, or that, did, that was something did that, that evolve grew. over time? Yeah, it, okay. it evolved. And, and we, uh, we, we like to promote an evolutionary process as a company as well. You know, we have an evolutionary approach to design which is contrary to the fashion system in a way. You know, we, we, we don't create collections that are old as soon as they're out there. You know, we, we want to create products with a long-term value that can be helpful every day over a long period of time. And then uh, with, every, with everything we learn, we add that into the equation. So uh, we, we improve little details on the product. Sometimes it's bigger steps, but mostly small steps in the evolution of a product. So... Our original first product, the backpack, is probably in its uh, seventh, eighth generation now. And if you if you see all the versions next to next to each other, you know you will you will you will clearly see that the basic concept is still the same, but it's evolved from what it originally was, and and it's it's evolved in terms of materials. It's more more sustainable now than it was then. It's stronger, it's more durable just because of the things we learned along the way. And yeah, that, that kind of evolution, I think, is really important to our way of working. We talked a lot about the, the organization and how it's structured in, inside the organization. Yeah. You touched a little bit upon the customer perspective or the, the people buying your, your bags. When everyone in the organization has such a shared common goal or, or vision, How does this transport to the people out there? How do you shape that or actively have an, uh, an impact on that shared purpose between you and your customers? Actually, It's important to communicate precisely. And that's also something we've, we've been learning a lot along the way, you know, that uh, how do we need to word things to make it understandable? Sustainability as a as a whole is such a complex topic, so it's it's important to break it down in in ways that people can understand it and and ultimately relate to it as well. That's not only externally but also internally. You know that we that we need to clearly communicate our vision as well. How do you do that? Um, We're still a fairly small team, you know, so we so we we're t around 25 people now. We have a biannual gathering of the whole team. That's a really important uh, meeting for everyone, you know. And we, that's, we, that's everyone like from all the places in Vienna and from, from Exactly. Abroad. It's not I mean we we keep the stores open during that week. So there are a few people who are staying in the store. Uh, making sure that everything's running, but uh, there's always people from all the different stores coming and yeah, everyone comes together there. We share ideas, we discuss ideas, we discuss developments. 
we, we review and we preview. The design team may prepare a new direction we are working on, you know, and then at a, quite an early stage, the whole team gets the chance to say what they think of it. And that again goes back into the evolution of the product. But then we also discuss the vision and um, what steps it will take along the way to get to where we want to be in five years, for instance. And more on a day-to-day -day level, how do you keep the people working in different places aligned? We have a bi-weekly meeting with the whole team. I mean, that's uh, via, via Skype, uh, where we all join together for an hour and each uh, group of people, I mean, we're, we're totally decentralized in that sense. You know, we have a team in Zurich, team in Seefeld, Austria, close to Innsbruck. Then we have the team in Vienna, Lausanne, Copenhagen, and we all join for this one hour call in which all the teams update everyone else on the running projects and, you know, what's been going on. So that's That's really important and also very helpful to stay up to date on just the, the general atmosphere, you know, but also the things that are making people think, you know, what's on their minds, what's going on. Sounds like a collective um, approach to, to finding or making decisions, like a consensus-based um, approach to making decisions. Is this is like this that you gather and then if you, if you talk about like reshaping the vision or, or sharpening the vision, is this like everyone sits in a room and then you kind of get input from everyone? Because I was thinking about how is the, is there some kind of leadership level or is this just a very flat and, and, and uh, holocratic um, organization form? Um, there is a certain level of, of leadership, um, in the, in the teams. Basically we have a communications team, a 2D design team, a 3D design team, the sales focused team to which we count all the three channels we are working with. So it's uh, wholesale, it's own physical stores and online store. Uh, then yeah, there's the operations team, which includes finance to a certain degree. So on, on that level, we have a team lead and the team leads are part of the management board. And that's where we ultimately make the decisions. But we, we discuss a lot with the, the whole team, you know, and that can be, that can be kind of vertically in each of the teams, but it can also be horizontally with the whole team and, and There's not, there's not a lot of, uh, hierarchy in there, you know, but in the end it's, yes, uh, some people also the founders, um, in roles that have a bit more responsibility for long-term decision-making. And how much is the customer involved in, 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 uh, the yeah, new developments? Do you implement it into new developments or is it more the team itself? It's more the team itself. I mean, we, we have our team very close to the store in, in this building here where we are now. It's, uh, it's the store, but it's also the development studio that really helps. And that was important, uh, while we were looking for a potential store space, we were looking for that where we could combine everything to be close to the customer. So. Um, we get a lot of direct feedback from customers and that definitely flows into the 
the development. But it's not that we have an open discussion with our customers about the direction we are taking. You know, that's, I mean, it's, it's good to listen, but the decision has to be made by, by us, you know, where we want to go and what it takes to get there. Yeah. So I think it will make sense to go back to the supply chain a little bit and about, yeah, maybe you can uh, share some insights of, of banana techs as well. Um, you started with organic cotton. And are now... Um... Oh, we, we started with cotton. Okay. And and back then, you know, as I mentioned before, it was really a, quite a learning curve we went through. So we started out taking the decision to work with natural fiber. We, we obviously knew that it was going to be more expensive to do that and to go that direction in manufacturing. So that was the first decision. From then on, we pursued that direction of going towards 100% sustainability. And there were certain steps along the way. So the, the first big one was to create our own organic cotton canvas, um, which is now implemented on pretty much all the collection before we released Banana Tex. And in between we had steps like 100% uh, uh, hemp fabric made in Europe. Um, we pursued a, a concept which we called the Swiss made collection, where the idea was to prove that nowadays it's still possible to produce bags in, in a bigger quantity in Switzerland from A to Z. So the, the goal was to make, to use Swiss raw material, make the yarn in Switzerland, do the weaving, the, the buckles, the leather, everything. But ultimately, what was that about three years ago, we had to, we had to uh, bury the whole project because we just figured out the hard way that it's actually not possible anymore. So we... What was um, the limiting factor there? Well, during the process, it was about a, a four year project, researching and, and finding suppliers and developing together with them. And during that time, one after the other closed down. It was really, you know, we kind of, we just found the, the last company, the last weaving mill that could still make really heavyweight canvases in Switzerland with special weaving machines, uh, special looms. And yeah, shortly after we started working with them, developing with them, they, they closed down. The last tanning company closed down. The last, uh, whatever, you know, it just was one after the other was closing down and, and the know-how was, was ultimately being moved to other countries and regions. I mean, it also had to do with the shift in valuation of the Swiss franc versus the euro, you know, which probably put the last nail in the coffin of the possibilities Swiss manufacturing has in certain ways, you know, and Now it's kind of down to super high tech, highly efficient uh, processes or then really small scale, high quality manufacturing. But making textile products is still a lot of handcraft up to today. So uh, handcraft in Switzerland is just, it's become too expensive for a bigger scale production, you know. It's really a commitment of customers that are willing to pay a lot for a product that is made in Switzerland, you know, and, and in some areas that still works. Watchmaking is, is one of them. But in terms of, of uh, backpacks, uh, we, we ended up with a, a product that didn't deliver higher quality. It didn't deliver better function. 
not even more sustainability, you know. So ultimately it was just uh, clear that this wasn't the, the right path to pursue. It's really, you, in that sense, you know, we, we came to the conclusion that, yeah, you have to respect what globalization brought to us as a society, you know, and it's, there's a lot of advantages that came from, from it. There, there were also a lot of downsides and, and I think the future is really in balancing the, the advantages with the disadvantages and finding ways to accommodate that while prioritizing sustainability to the, to the maximum. And I can imagine that, I mean, if, if I hear or if people hear um, the word sustainability and uh, you ultimately think about where it's produced and the, the global or local mm -hmm. um, discussion is, is probably big. Do you get this question a lot? Why don't you of produce in Switzerland? Do. Of course we do. And, and uh, we've, we've done a lot of research into these uh, areas and uh, I think our, our ultimate goal would be, and, and probably the ideal scenario would be that we produce where the know-how is. That's maybe the first thing. And then use local materials for kind of a, or let's say regional, because it's not so much about local in the sense of the words, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make sense anymore to produce a cotton canvas in Zurich, for instance, you know, that's just doesn't make sense. There's not, that's not where the know-how is. So the know-how is usually concentrated in, in certain areas. And then the, the available resources kind of define the, the scope or the spectrum of materials that make sense to work with in a certain region. So the ideal scenario I think would be to produce in Europe for the European market and in Asia for the Asian market, and let's say in America for the American market. And then you could break it down to smaller areas. And that's probably the ideal scenario, but it's a long way to get there just because the know-how is right now, you know, it's spread all over the globe. So for our type of product, I would say we have a very efficient setup now. We have the whole supply chain in Asia uh, with short, trucking distances and longer shipping distances. And that has to do with the fact that trucking causes around 20 times more emissions per kilometer per, per weight compared to shipping, you know? So basically we can ship 20 times the distance with the same uh, output of emissions versus trucking. So what we try to do is keep trucking distances short, you know, work close to ports and then ship the longer distances. And uh, we've, we've done a lot of math regarding that and, and discovered that right now with our su supply chain based in, in Asia, we're more efficient than if we produced in Portugal, let's say, and then trucked from Portugal 2000 kilometers to our warehouse in, in Seyfield, Austria. We just talked about the, the ideal scenario a little mm -hmm. bit, you talked about it. Which maybe leads us to the question, what, what's next? What's next for question? What's next for your products? I, I think now with, with uh, Banana Techs, we've, I mean, it's, it's been a four year process of, uh, we, we 
talked about the evolution before, you know, and where we came from and, and what sustainability means. And, and that Swiss made project was kind of a step in between where we learned a lot and implemented what we learned then in the further development, which was banana tech. So after that hard learning that, you know, we, we can't work against globalization, we have to try to work with it and, and, uh, yeah, 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 use this, these these new realities in the best way possible. Uh, that's when we decided to full on pursue the Banana Text project. We had just discovered the potential of the fiber back then. The fiber itself is more tear resistant than cotton, which was a good base to start with. And then also the way the plant grows is a lot more um a lot more efficient a lot more natural it's basically a very um how do you say self sufficient plant it doesn't need any additional water or pesticides or fertilizers whatsoever so that was a good base to start with so over the last 4 years we developed a, a textile from that that fiber in asia all the processing takes place there and the, the level of sustainability we have now on this material is higher than on our organic cotton. Organic cotton versus standard cotton is already a huge difference. Not to be underestimated, really. But this is the next step in our evolution. So now the next step in our portfolio evolution is that we're going to implement uh, our new material development and the thinking that lies behind the new designs to the whole collection, step by step. Do you have any plans to sell the material itself to other companies and to make or absolutely yeah? yes okay. in the process we you know it was was a long process to get to where it is now and you know be sure that it, that it actually delivers the qualities we were looking for and then we started thinking about you know what what this really means for for us and what what potential it might have you know so that was the moment when we decided to create an own brand for it which is banana techs and uh, together with the partners the development partners we had on board for the development and uh, we decided to position it in, in kind of an open source way we wanted to we didn't want to restrict the potential of it so the goal was really to create an alternative to all the plastics that are commonly used right now for outdoor applications and uh, functional reasons. We've already felt that the demand on the market side is really high for something like this. You know, everyone's talking about the issues of plastic pollution. And yeah, there as well, you know, our, our, our thinking was really to say, it's a bigger issue we are talking about. You know, it wasn't just about us having an advantage in the market. It was really about um, creating a true alternative to, you know, tackle some big issues we are having as a society nowadays. Mm. You just briefly touched on the topic of open source. So mm -hmm. you did open source the kind of the recipe of, of how to produce banana text or how, how this? Not, not in that sense. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe it's not the right word for, for what we're doing with banana text, but we wanted to make it accessible to everyone, you know, uh, versus keeping it exclusive to ourselves, you know, and making it kind of our market advantage. That would have been one way to go, but uh, it was, it was really important to us to 
keep the bigger picture in mind, you know, and, and uh, the issues we are going through with climate change and the impact we as a, as a human race are having on this planet, you know, and, and then at the same time realizing that there is no planet B, you know, we have to, we have to figure it out. And there, I mean, it, it, it wouldn't make sense to prioritize our own profit over the general situation. And we, we truly believe that we can do both, you know, that we, we can profit from the kind of pioneer work we've, we've done with uh, creating this material, but also we can profit from more companies and more brands working with the material, you know, we can, we can all uh, keep that evolution going and, and direct the, the know-how we gain through bigger quantities into the development and yeah. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to know more, head over to theidealist.co. As always, there's one more thing we ask our guests, which is who should we talk to next? Yeah, there's there's actually an interesting company that started quite recently, maybe one or two years ago. They're called Banana and they make ice cream from food waste, basically. So they collect the banana that is not sold in the supermarkets because it's too brown or too small or whatever and use that to make their ice cream. <laughs>